Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me on the line this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as regular listeners will now know, is the Chief Rugby League Writer for the Yorkshire Evening Post and he also contributes match reports and other reports to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. This week, Peter, I'm in a very good mood. Wakefield not only won, but they beat Wigan Warriors in the process. And regardless of which team Wigan had out, it's always a great fillip for the club to beat a team like Wigan. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I wasn't at that one, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm sorry I missed it. It sounded like um, a cracking performance from Trinity. And it, it shows, I think, that they're moving in the right direction. They obviously had some players missing because of international duty. And obviously, Wigan were even harder hit, but even so... Um, to go out there and, and record that sort of result is excellent for Trinity. It'll boost their confidence. It'll give the fans something to talk about for quite some time to come. And um, and it shows that they are on the right track. They had that disappointing result against Castleford last week. Uh, another home loss to the Tigers. I know that, that hurt the players and it hurt the coach. But it was um, it was important that they bounced back from that in the right fashion, and, and clearly they did that. And I think it particularly important without the likes of Bill Tupu, who's out for the season now with the injury he suffered against Castleford. They need to prove that they can play with some key players missing. Um, obviously, Jacob Miller unavailable as well, and they've managed to to brush that off, which they weren't able to do earlier in the season. And positive signs for them, I think. Yeah, certainly. Um, we said enough bad things about them earlier in the season, didn't we, when they couldn't find a win anywhere. And they certainly seem to have turned a corner. The cast game was very frustrating. I saw that one. And once again, a lot of effort and off and puff, but just unable to get that breakthrough and, and break cast down, who were obviously up for that game and up for holding on to their long record of victories over Wakefield. And they did that uh, most annoyingly. <laughs> Uh, but then last night, you know, as you say, Wakefield themselves had several players missing and they also lost Tom Johnson, didn't they, again with an, an in, a leg injury during the game, which was unfortunate because he played a key part in the first try. I managed to see the tries uh, this morning and uh, it was a great pick-up by Max Jowett out, passed it out to Tom who broke down the wing and then had Ryan Hampshire supporting him inside. And then the second try again, a nice bit of footwork by Hampshire helped to tee it up for uh, Matty Asher's try. But it sounds like the Wakefield defence was superb as well last night. Obviously, Wigan only scoring six points tells you that probably anyway. Um, but I was kind of following it on Twitter and there were a lot of positive comments about the way that Wakefield were just kind of squeezing the life out of Wigan with, with their um, defensive work and... Uh, the Wigan side just couldn't break through at all, and uh, whether it, you know, obviously a good time from Wakefield's point of view to be playing Wigan, but uh, both sides had a number of players away, which, in a way, it was a good thing. You know that, particularly for Wakefield, that they're getting players um, being recognised internationally. That's that's superb, but uh, also from the other point of view when you have got a few injuries then you really are delving deep down into the squad aren't you but uh, the guys who were picked obviously did the job and you know it's a, 
another step in the right direction for Wakefield. Um, again, even though they lost to Cast the week before, they were obviously always in the game, and and I think that's been one of the key things about their revival as well. You know, at the start of the season, uh, we often commented that they might only play for forty minutes, and then they seem to dramatically fall away. Well, they're certainly competing in the games now with with the players and 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 obviously better match fitness and so on, uh, and the signs are good, and it, and it's good for Chris Chester. And the lads, um, obviously sorry to see that Joe Westerman, one of the guys who didn't play last night because he's on duty with England at the moment, and rightly so, he's leaving Wakefield at the end of the season to go back to his first club cast, but I don't think anybody could really be surprised by that. Uh, I think Joe's always wanted to go and finish off his career at Cass, and he certainly hasn't let Wakefield down in his time at the club, and I'm, I'm sure he won't in the remaining months he's at Bellevue. Mm, very good signing for for Castleford. Understandable, like you say, the reasons why he's going. But he's been he's been in outstanding form all season. It's good again that they they could win without him the other yeah. night. Shows um, that shows something, doesn't it? Um, he'll be a good good addition for um, for Cass. Um, obviously, he's worked with their incoming coach Lee Radford in the past at Hull. And I think that's a that's a good match. He's a cast lad, always supported Cass and clearly wanted to to go back there in what's probably going to be the final move of his certainly of his Super League career. I would have would have thought um, Cass could have done with him the other night against Catalans. I was at that one and yeah. it, it was a tough, it was a poor game. Really was it, it. it was the, it was the start of this top schedule of four games in just over two weeks and it looked it looked like the end of it to be honest both teams looked tired they made a lot of a lot of errors Catalans had a much stronger lineup available and and I thought they were poor which Steve McNamara conceded afterwards that they never really got going the only difference between the teams was a couple of fantastic passes by Josh Drinkwater to either wing to create a try and and a try that looked um, certainly from the stands I've not seen it again but but looked dubious when the ball seemed to go forward. Cass had um, Liam Watts named that standoff, so <laughs> yes, I saw that, that shows he's a front rower. So <laughs> that shows the sort of state they're in with injuries and, and international call-ups. And I, as bad as the game was, I thought Cass gave a decent account of themselves. They defended very well. They were very spirited. Rarely, really looked like scoring. I, I thought they were probably likely to get nil, to be honest, but they managed to come up with a try in the last three or four minutes, and that was a well-worked try for Darrell Oldfoots in the corner. But I think Cass can take some some heart from the way they dug in in very difficult circumstances. But having said that, it's a, a fourth successive home defeat, and their um, their chances of certainly a decent finish in the playoffs zone are beginning to fade. They've obviously got Wembley coming up in three weeks' time. That's going to be on the on the minds. Uh, interestingly, the next game is next Wednesday against St. Helens. So uh, a cup final rehearsal. It'll be interesting to see whether either coach keeps his powder dry for that one. I don't, I don't think Castleford have got much choice with so many injuries. Um, and they picked up another one the other night when Jack O'Neill, the young hooker, hobbled off. That's a concern for them. But still three weeks to go. What can happen in that time? They are hopeful that they'll get a lot of players back for Wembley. John Turner wasn't risked 
against Catalans. He slight hamstring problem in the last um, training session, the captain's run. Um, Jake Truman's had an injection in his back and they're hoping that will clear that long-standing problem up. And Gareth O'Brien, who we thought might be out long-term when he was hurt against Wakefield, isn't as badly injured as, as everybody feared and he's got a chance for Wembley now, which is great for him because he's a good player and I, I know how desperate he is to play in that final. And also good for Cass because he's a, he's a key man for them. Um, but it's a, it's a shame since fans came back into stadiums Cass have had um, four home games and lost them all which isn't ideal no. but well, I thought performance wise it, it was a little bit of a step forward against Catalans although as I say the game itself was, was quite turgid Yes we've certainly discussed on here before the Cass farm and well there's not much they can do if so many players are injured and I think that seems to be the case at a lot of clubs, doesn't it, at the moment? The the schedule and the effects of last season are, are certainly still rumbling through the game, aren't there? A lot of players picking up injuries, either short or long-term. And As you say, understandably, at this point, Castleford aren't going to risk key men who might be ready for Wembley um, to play in the league game. Obviously, could be quite dangerous on one hand to, to put all your eggs in the Challenge Cup basket, but of course, if they win it, then nobody will care what happened against Catalans last night, will they? They'll uh, they'll think that Daryl's played the long game and he's played it correctly. And and, and from my point of view, obviously, I, I hope that they do um, win the cup. Um, but uh, it's, it's difficult, as you say, when when fans are coming back in and they're watching their team get beaten every week. It's it's not what people want to see, is it? But uh, I say I'm sure that in the next couple of weeks, some players will get fit and some uh, with the carrot of Wembley dangling in front of them will make sure that they are too. And, uh, it's a, sorry, sorry Richard. I'm going to say it's a, it's a tough situation. What Obviously, Darrell doesn't want to risk anybody who's, um, who's not fully fit No. before Wembley and... On the other hand, does he want to bring people like Truman and Gareth O'Brien back just for that game when they've not played for him for a few weeks? I think he'd like to see them get at least one run out before the final. So so that's a big decision to make, really. In in the past, what Leeds have tended to do under various coaches is that they usually go quite strong the week before the final. And if they're going to rest players, they do it two weeks before um, I'm not sure whether Darrell's going to have that sort of luxury yeah. really this time. I mean, he's, he's going to have to decide: does he bring, does he bring Truman and O'Brien and, and people like that back? Does he hold them back and just just um, run them out at Wembley when they won't have played for a long time? Tricky, tricky decision. Completely opposite situation to the last time they were at Wembley when Darrell was coach in 2014. They're only two weeks between the semi-final and final, yeah. so. That obviously brought its own issues, but um, completely different ones to the one they've got at the moment. Yeah, um, as you say, it's, it's a bit of a catch-22. What, whatever he does at the moment, he can't really win, and he just, I suppose, hoping that everything will come right on the day, which he quite often does. It, you know, in a cup game, it's a one-off game, isn't it? Players are back, players forget about this niggle or that strain, don't they? And, and the adrenaline gets them through a final and, uh, you know, 
quite often a team that's been written off proves everyone wrong on the day. And, you know, I'm sure Daryl, with his coaching skills and so on, uh, will be looking to join that kind of club and uh, and get a win for Cass. Yeah, well, they're going to win it. Richard, I've been well, telling you, you this. You have, in fairness, yeah. So, um, Regular listeners will know that they are Peter's tip and they've gone all the way, so we're not going to desert them now. I'll get on the bandwagon as well now, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to win. Let's, shall we talk about um, the elephant in the room this, this week, the, the situation, the ridiculous situation we, we've got, whereas... Um, there's an international match being played on the Friday at the same time as a full round of Super League fixtures or on the same weekend as a full round of Super League fixtures. And I think everybody involved in the game agrees that it's just complete nonsense. And I think it's a bad mistake. I think it's a mistake for the Super League clubs. And uh, You could see some of them weren't, weren't able to name 21-man squads this weekend. Leeds have had to move their game against Salford, who weren't very happy about it. From Friday, the day of the All-Stars game, to um, to Sunday, they've got five players involved in All-Stars against England, and all five of them have been named in the 21-man squad to play Salford two days later. Um, it deprived, as we've said, Wigan, Wakey, Cass, of uh, Warrington as well, of a lot of players for this weekend's fixture. Um, and it's just adding to the to the strain that players are under. We've got a World Cup coming up at the end of this year, as everyone knows. In um, starts on the twenty third of October, and we're expecting our players to to go through a ridiculous fixture schedule. I think Leeds have got four games in. I think it's fifteen days coming up, um, and then we're going to expect them at the end of the season to go out and beat Australia and New Zealand, and it's not going to happen. They're going to be they're going to be knackered. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a question mark over who's going to be playing against them in the World Cup with with COVID still hanging around. But um, the the pandemic is likely to make the situation worse, as you mentioned. That Leeds and Huddersfield have both had an outbreak. Hull KR are now suffering. They've had their next two matches called off. It it will affect other clubs, and that's just going to move. Um, I mean, more fixture congestion later in, in the year and more strain on players. I just think it was, a, it was an awful decision to arrange the international game for the same weekend as the Super League round. It should have been a standalone match. Virtually everybody in the game seems to agree on that. But having said that, the 12 clubs, that was their decision. They they agreed to, um, to have a round of fixtures clashing with All-Stars against England. Um, it's not helping the national team. It's Sean Wayne's desperate to get a game under his belt. He's been coached since February of last year and, and it'll be the first time he's coached the team. We're, we're recording this before the match, obviously. Um, but his preparation's been disrupted. The All-Stars didn't have a squad until Tuesday, um, three days before the game. So, so that's not ideal. They're not going to maybe not going to provide quite the opposition that Sean Wayne was hoping for. Just the whole thing's been a mess and I think it's embarrassing for um, for the sport and people who make decisions like this really need to take a long, hard look at themselves and they've got to realise what is important. And at the moment, what is important is England 
in the World Cup and giving a good account of themselves. If England could win the World Cup, it'd be a fantastic boost for the sport. But it seems the game in this country is determined to make it as difficult as it possibly can for uh, for the England players and coach. Yes. I can't, so disagree. I can't disagree with much of that, Peter. Um, as you were speaking, I just, I just made three little notes on, on my views on it. And the first word I wrote down was embarrassment, um, which I really think it was this week. I know in the past, uh, rugby league, on the one hand, it's been a great pioneer for many different changes, both in, in league and in the other code, hasn't it? They've brought forward some great ideas, some great innovations and some uh, great improvements to the game, which have actually helped probably improve both codes over the years. But this week, uh, it, it was the old, bad old side of rugby league again. And, you know, everybody's scratching for their own little bit of um, sort of protectionism, as it were, at the expense of the, the greater good. And, you know, at the start of the week, it, it was just shambolic, wasn't it? You know, that in England, the England team was supposed to be playing a friendly against a side which at that stage didn't exist, or a squad even, uh, three or four days before the actual game is due to be played. And the second thing that I wrote down was, you kind of always knew that this would happen. <laughs> Whenever they schedule a game like this, you know, way back in the depths of winter or whatever, and everybody says, yeah, yeah, it'll be a great idea, that midsummer, nice weather, you know, get a crowd in, cheer England on. And then... As the weeks and months pass, the ideas chipped and chipped away at until, as you say, we reach this situation today, just before the game, where really and truly you're thinking, what's the point? You know, the the fans of the other clubs, you know, they've seen their games rearranged or they've seen weakened sides being fielded because of the demands of this game and the extra demands that it's put on the players. And as we've just said not five minutes ago, all clubs are suffering from loads of injuries anyway, it would seem at the moment, and COVID issues. And then this is another thing on top. And, you know, it's very frustrating because I think Sean Wayne is a great choice as the England coach. And I think that given the right tools, I think he'd do a great job. Uh, but he can't do it with both hands tied behind his back and his ankles tied together too, you know, and it, we keep sort of in the past we've criticized the Australians, haven't we, for not taking the international game seriously and said, Well, England have got a squad and we're all behind them and we're all very proud of them and we've got the right man in charge. Uh, and really we're just paying lip service to that, aren't we? You know, we're we're not any better ourselves really because we just send seventy of thirteen or seventeen men into battle and uh you know, they too are hampered by the schedule that they've paid through. And I'm sure the guys picked for the World Cup in the autumn will do their very best, as rugby league players always do. They'll they'll play through the adversity and the injuries and the circumstances uh, to try and do their best for their countries, clubs and families and so on. But, you know, it, it was just really, really embarrassing and indefensible this week, the whole situation and... Uh, and very frustrating and for everyone concerned. And, you know, as you say, it does make you wonder sometimes. People can't see sort of past the end of June, let alone, you know, August or October. And, you know, just 
a very bad week for the sport, really. And I wish England all the best tonight. And you know, and I hope that the guys they're going up against give them some kind of game. Um, and you know, we can learn plenty off. You know, as much off the field from it as we do on it. Mm, I think. Um, I think we're all united in this, aren't we? The problem in in rugby league is that the club game is considered more important than the international game and that's not the way it should be um the, the on a on a national level if, if rugby league's ever going to make an impact nationally it's got to be on the back of a a good test team yes outside the heartlands nobody cares about salford against lee for example but they do care about england against australia because it's england yes people watch england playing in any sport you know in the olympics we're all we all sit there and cheer on sports that that we've got absolutely no i no idea about um for for most of the time and it's because of the it's because it's something to rally around and and the national team gives you that and and it, it is the key to the to the game being successful and thriving in this country. Obviously, the clubs want as many matches as possible because they've had issues with COVID for over a year now and they've been playing in front of reduced crowds or no crowds at all. That's understandable. But this was a mistake. They should have knocked one of the, one of the uh, loop fixtures on the head and given a, a standalone date for, um, for this week's game. That's just common sense. And let's hope that in future years... That's what happens. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, as you say, uh, let's hope that some serious lessons are learned from this and that, uh, you know, England aren't hampered by what's gone on this week, either tonight or in the longer term. I suspect there might be, but, uh, you know, let's, we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to it next week for certain after we've actually seen the game and, and how it unfolds and, who plays and how they play and see what conclusions Sean Wayne's uh, got to draw. I'm sure he might have something to say after the game as well. It had to be quite diplomatic in the build-up, I'd imagine, but uh, but that's something for next week anyway. And it, I was just going to finish off this week. Obviously, as you mentioned, during the course of that conversation, Peter uh, Leeds' game with Salford was moved from tonight until Sunday, uh, basically because Rhinos couldn't get a team out of, wasn't it? Um, that. Yeah, I've, I've been making friends with Salford fans on, uh, on <laughs> who, who are less than chuffed about um, about the decision. They're very ungruntled yes. about it. But Leeds genuinely, there seems to be a, a feeling out there that, that Leeds are trying to pull a fast one or work the system or whatever, but they genuinely didn't have 17 available players for the Friday night. Yeah, um, they, couldn't have, they couldn't have... Um, Fielded a team, so they had they had no choice really. They've in past years they've had matches that have clashed with international fixtures the day after or or whatever, and they've they've fulfilled the game. They've put a team out and strength team, and they've often won. But that wasn't possible this time. They just didn't have the um, have the number of players available because not only have they got five and in international duty which is one more than they'd need to have the game called off they've also had players suffering from covid who were on a um on a week-long return to play protocol which didn't finish until after friday night's game they're 
they're now available for um, for Sunday. So Leeds can put, put a team out. Yeah. The five players backing up, whether they whether they'll all play or not, I don't know. It's going to be a big ask for um, for them. Um, Salford have got a lot of problems as well, and I, I do sympathise with them. They've got injuries. They've got a, a couple of players who will be backing up as well from Friday night. Um, and like Leeds, they've got a game on Thursday, so it's a it's a shorter turnaround for them than it, than it might have been had it been played on on Friday night. So it's tough for them, and, and obviously some people will have got tickets for Friday that can't go on Sunday. So it's a big inconvenience, but Leeds were within the rights to do what they did, which was ask for the game to be moved to Sunday. They could have had it postponed and put back until later in the season, but that's just kicking the problem further down the road, as Coach Richard Agar has um, has said. It, it's just one. It's just one of those things. It comes from this this daft scheduling. Unfortunately, yes. it's it's neither club's fault. It's it's the game's fault or Super League's fault for for arranging. The match when um, when they did um, interesting to see how Leeds get on. They've actually named quite strong twenty one for it. What the seventeen will look like, I'm not so sure. Um, was speaking to Richard Agar and he was saying that he won't, he hasn't named a team to his players yet, and he won't be able to do that until at the earliest um, the captains run on Saturday. They've not trained as a as a team this week. They've had training sessions, but not with everybody who's going to play um, together. So it's going to be tough for them. But they've had um, a month off, whether that'll mean that they're fresh and raring to go or, or they're undercooked. We'll have to wait and see. I think it's going to be a, a tough game for Leeds, but they just need to see if they can recapture the form they showed last time out against Castleford, which is a day short from a month ago. And if they can, I think they'll they'll beat Salford but um, Salford might be using this this week's disruption as a as a bit of an incentive and it's quite a hostile atmosphere to play in at times so it's going to be a, a tough game for Leeds and it's it's one they definitely need to win if they're going to have any serious aspirations of getting into the playoffs I think Yes, succinctly put Peter yeah. a problem not of either club's making again you know and, and again something that could have quite easily been Avoided with a bit of common sense, and probably with hindsight now, most of the uh, club officials are thinking, "Well, we should have had a week off this week because we've so many injuries and so many absences that everybody could have had a rest." But uh, it's too late for that now. I mean, so reading last night, Huddersfield named a thirteen, didn't they? And they were just trying to register enough youngsters in order to put out a full squad against Hull, and you know, it's just. Madness, really, isn't it? You know, it's just not not what we want to see. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the teams. Um, not obviously, the young players want to play. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and they'll get their chance. But uh, could have been in better circumstances. But just as soon as you've raised that point, I'd, I'd just like to make the point. People have said, "Well, why Leeds have got an academy? Salford don't have an elite academy. Leeds have an academy. Why don't they play the academy players?" But that's not realistic. Leeds as academy players are 16 and 17 year olds yeah. who've played at that level a handful of games two, three, four games and it it just would not be safe to throw them into a Super League um, fixture at the, at the moment they're not ready for it they're not physically ready for it the players in Leeds' academy system 
who are ready to play Super League are already in the the, the full time squad. Yeah, um, it was a different situation last year when they played below strength teams or fringe teams before and after big cup ties because they had more players. The the players that played in those games were members of the first team squad. Um, they weren't just plucked out of the academy. And I think Leeds are right not to not to throw young 16, 17-year-olds into a game like this because I, th- I think there's, there's a player welfare issue involved there and um, I just don't think it was practical. So that's why they've not done that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree entirely. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard old game, isn't it? And it's not like, say, football or cricket, for example, where you may get away with throwing a couple of teenagers in one week mm. out on the wings or deep in the field or whatever. Um, as you say, it's, it's big, you know, fully grown athletes, isn't it, against young boys, really, isn't it? I know that your average young rugby league player is still a big lad, but it's not something really... Uh, that should be should be done in my opinion, unless obviously, as does happen from time to time, you get one exceptional player who can break through that. But as you say, that one exceptional player is almost certainly already involved in that kind of group anyway, aren't they? In Leeds's case, that's Morgan Yannon, yes. who's yeah. who's seventeen, just seventeen, has, and has come into the um, has come into the squad. Yeah. So, but there's another one, Levi Edwards, who. I would imagine he'll get a game at some point this year. He's another outstanding talent, but they're the exceptions rather than the uh, rather than the rule. Certainly. Okay then, Peter. Well, thanks very much for your comments there. Uh, another show done with. And thanks very much to everyone for listening. And my weekly reminder that you can get the latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter handle at Peter Smith YEP, or mine at Richard Byron YEP, or at YEP Sports, or at YP Sports Desk. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, Apple and Anchor. And you can um, also get this show on attached to Rugby League Stories on the Yorkshire Evening Post website, yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk. That's it for this week. Once again, thanks to Peter for his comments and we'll hopefully be back very soon. Yeah.